this episode of Turkish TV Time. Today we're talking about the penultimate episode of The Protector, season four, episode six. And I actually really enjoyed this episode. I'm really excited about the twist at the end. And um, as long as I could block the old lady from my mind, I thought this was a great episode. So I'm excited to talk about it. I just chugged an iced coffee since we're doing this for the in the morning for once. Is anybody having tea? Ezgi, are you a tryhard again? No. <laughs> I'm not having tea either. Damn. All right. Well, back to our Grand Turkish TV time tradition of not having any tea. Now Sophia is going to take us through what happened in this episode. Okay, so this episode was interesting. Quite a few things happened. Um, some important stuff from last episode was that our friend Faisal murdered Nissan or Vizier or Valeria in the immortal favorite, which is just choking someone to death. Seems to be like the uh, go-to way to kill another immortal. And so the the episode starts off with Okan. So Okan was in love with Valeria. So he decided, like when Faisal killed her, he decided to go to the other side. So he's with Sami and Hakan. And of course, um, give it to the show for leaving the most useless of the loyal ones to be the last one alive. Because of course, so basically they are guarding Hakan as he's um, out of it and going to the past with the key trying to like figure out how to find the old lady and make the potion. So him and Valeria find the old lady and they go to her house and the old lady is less old than we thought. And she turns out to be Harun's mother, um, Twist. And it turns out like her story is not very clear. She apparently is a healer because her father was a healer. And she like recognized evil walking among amongst them and wasn't able to raise like Harun because reasons, I guess. So she gave him to an Akinji to raise him. So we get like Harun's backstory and I'm sure that'll be the extent of Harun's backstory we'll get on the show. So we take what we can get. And so um, she gives them the stuff. And in the meantime, Olkan and Sami realize that the shirt is not working anymore. So now we magically know what everything surrounding the shirt means. So it's turning blue, which means it's not working. Well, they actually cut Hakan to find out, but unclear how they now know what the different colors mean. So then how do like they, they're just like trying to rush the old lady into making the potion because uh, Okan and Sami take the key away from Hakan in order to like signal that something's gone wrong. And he feels like he feels that he feels something weird in the past. So he like decides to go back and they tell him like, yeah, the shirt's not working. We need to find a way out. We need to find something to do. And basically they, they decide that the, the best thing they can do is leave the city. Um, so Hakan can go in the past and fix whatever he needs to fix. The issue is right at that moment, Faisal decides to do a broadcast where he sends all of the immortals to look after Hakan, which it's surprising that I guess he hasn't, he hadn't done that before because They've been trying to kill Hakan for the whole time. So I don't know why they haven't said that before. So basically that means that a bunch of crazed immortals are looking for them and they can no longer get on the boats to get out of the city. So 
right then Okan thinks about a plan which is to run that giant horn that they use to wake up all the immortals so that they can call them all to one place. So basically like he already knows he's gonna die in that process. So he starts doing it. And of course, um, Zainab and Faisal realize that he's doing that. So they go after him to kill him. And he's like in a face up with Zainab, he's about to kill her. When like the Oracle comes out of her and says like, don't kill her, you've done your duty just like basically die now so that's what what's happening in the present in the past so they're able to get this elixir or whatever and um nissan calls all of the immortals to one place i'm sorry this is like very much in not the chronological order but it's just the order that makes the most sense in my head so she calls all the immortals to one room and she like they already know that there's something up well, that something's up because Alkan slash Hakim is not there. And B, like the vizier only calls them when something really important, like good or bad is happening. So of course, our friend Faisal is not one to be quiet. And as we know, he's been plotting against vizier for the whole time and he wants to be in power. Except we find out in this episode, um, as we know in the, in the previous episode, because he killed vizier, Paisal's arm is black it's like dying and he's going to die like the, the darkness it's go- is going to absorb him and the darkness apparently in this universe is like everything and anything it's like what commands the mortals and all sorts of I mean it's confusing anyway so Faisal basically says like you know like this is a trap she fell in love with this mortal Harun and she's just trying to trick us all and so he says you should pass down the baton to us because I don't know if they know or not, but basically if they try to take the power by force, they're going to die too. So basically they can't really take the power from her, which makes a lot, like that really makes sense as to why they had Harun kill Vizid in the first place. Makes a lot of sense now. So basically she says, sure, like I'll hand down the key. Like from, from the viewer's perspective, it seems like, the plan went awry because basically she brings in Harun and says like he's he knows everything about them and they need to know how to deal with him so basically they all like she hands the key to them and they all kiss it well then the Hakan stabs Medgan in the neck and he starts like oozing blood so we find out that even though it seems like the plan went awry actually all of the immortals are now mortal so Hakan sets a a fire inside the room that they're in and him and Nissan go out well managed to get out but it like it seems like all of the immortals died in the process so Harun then gives the well not Harun Hakan gives the potion to uh, Valeria and like him and Shirinja and Valeria seem to be like going somewhere to be like happy forever oh and, and in the middle of this scene where Hakan is with the immortals Faisal and Zainab find Sami and Hakan um, where they've been hiding so that Hakan can do all of his past feelings in peace. So they found them. It turns out that, well, of course they kill Sami because like, obviously they're going to kill him. And Faisal just wants to have fun like killing Hakan because they now know that the shirt is not working. So he stabs him in the chest and Hakan like passes out. And then it becomes super obvious, of course, to the immortals that Nissan is like in love with him because he died, like he's dying and she's like crying and so at that moment Zainab like turns on Faisal like magically heals um, Hakan and decides like to save him and to 
make sure that everything goes the right way because apparently like the good oracle spirits took over her. So then the episode ends with Hakan waking up in the present, like in his old house, in his old room with all his books. The first thing I thought was like, oh, he's going to call out for Memo. Um, Like the sheets are on his couch bed and stuff, but Memo is nowhere to be found. And Hakan finds a magazine with Faisal on the cover. So it seems like Faisal survived, which there were like some indications from the fire that he could have survived because he was the one who was like at the door, like pounding at the door. So it seems like he managed to survive somehow. And just one thing that I missed from before, when Hakan was stabbed, he like goes into this like dream state, I guess, where he talks to Harun and Harun's like, you're the best protector that we've had. Like you are, you know, like this stupid speech about how he's, he was like the most, he took the most risks and he almost like saved the world and he did more than everyone and and he killed all the immortals and stuff. And uh, there was one other thing that I was about to say that I completely forgot that was important to this plot. Oh, the shirt is not working because, so we know that the talent, the objects and everything were given to Hakan by the Sultan. But at this point, he doesn't know the Sultan yet. But being called a traitor means, makes it so he will never, like the Sultan will never trust him enough to give him the talismanic objects. So he, like by making those changes in the past, he's now screwed for the shirt and other objects. And that's the recap. <laughs> yeah so we have a lot to talk about we watched this episode a couple days ago and I for some reason completely forgot about the whole Zadep turn switch character turn and uh yeah wow that happened Now we're going to move on into our banter slash spilling the tea slash gossip section. Where do you guys want to start? There's another thing I forgot to say, which (laughs) we've had a a small debate about, but I feel very vindicated. (laughs) Which is (laughs) that when the immortals are together, they mentioned having met with the Byzantine emperor in that same room and being like his only hope. So that just makes me think that our theory about them being like some sort of army to defend the Byzantine like culture and cause and to like oppose the invasion by the Ottoman like forces. Maybe I'm taking it too far, but I'm, I feel vindicated about that. I literally wrote down in my notes, yay for Sophia. They <laughs> saved Justinian, theory lives. <laughs> So I well, I just spent the entirety of Sophia's recap reading the articles I had read before about uh, the protector and I don't know what it is maybe something in Turkish was just so vague that we all ignored it but literally nobody picked <laughs> up on that it's not any of the recaps any of the summaries I don't know why I mean I heard I heard his name I heard Justine's name and I was like okay like he just walked in on them IDK like I I truly didn't register that. I found an article written in English by a woman in India explaining the full reason for the immortals coming to Istanbul, which was entirely news to me. 
Um, so I don't know if that's going to be a spoiler for the last episode. So I don't want to share that now on the recording, but um, it's very detailed. And I feel like I would have remembered it if they went into that much detail in the show. But I also very half-assedly rewatched this episode. So who knows? I was very invested the first time. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see after if, if this, these details, these historical details are not shared in the last episode, then it'll be my what the fuck for our next episode. <laughs> Well, and they okay, also got excellent. all the actors back against my predictions. Yeah, you were so worried about that. <laughs> I was. I thought the curly haired guy would just get choked again. Like they would just like. <laughs> just immediately yeah, yeah. To say a line. <laughs> <laughs> Even before the fire. Just. <laughs> <laughs> also, it's funny that they vindicated some immortals and they just like made others horrible. Like, Alcon was so vindicated when he was so awful the first time around. Like, unexpected choice of he was, vindication. He's more hero. available for filming, I think, in season four. We're going to have a redemption arc for your character. <laughs> that actually makes a lot of sense. Well, okay, and how annoying was it they all kept, like, kissing the stupid... Uh, what were they kissing? What were they passing? Oh, the key. The key being like for darkness. <laughs> I mean, oh, like they've never mentioned the darkness this, before. This ever. explanation I found that I'm, you know, not gonna spoil. It references the darkness so much, and like, what? <laughs> when? At what point was this divulged? Except for maybe it's in the book, and something I missed, like. 20 minutes of historical backstory in the last episode I'm forgetting <laughs> and all of this is going to be very clearly spelled out because if not I don't know how these people or maybe they're just making it up on this blog but it seems it makes sense <laughs> I just hope that the show actually explained it it being the book makes the most sense to me yeah. well the book doesn't have an English translation how do these people in India know don't know Hmm, that's a very good question. They self-translated it. They self very good. Turkish just <laughs> <quality> literature. <laughs> Have you read the book, Sezgi? No, I haven't. They're not that easy to find. I mean, maybe now they are, but I remember I looked at um, DNR, which is like Turkish Barnes and Noble, Turkish borders, if borders still existed. Um, and they were not like super easy to get a hold of. But maybe now they're easier. I don't really know. I feel like I haven't read that many positive crit critiques of this show post the fourth season, so maybe people aren't rushing to buy the books. Our podcast will um, create a resurgence. I don't think so. the, the, our tone throughout this podcast is really. <laughs> <laughs> I want to bring it back at the end, though. Like I really did enjoy this episode. <laughs> I thought it was fun, and I was totally sucked in by the. Uh, like the faint with the cups and then the key kissing um, and all that I was like oh my god these idiots what a stupid yeah, plan yeah no I, I like the I like the boat subplot because I like it when they give you the small window of hope and then you're they're like you know trying to make it happen and you're like oh but do this but if you just did this it would have been fine but then fine the boat exploded but I, I liked I don't know I like that anxiety in the modern day too um, that this episode had I didn't like the Zenith whatever that was that no, was ridiculous no that made yeah. no sense um I I 
I appreciate that they're trying to make some time travel logic by saying that the shirt doesn't exist anymore. However, if that never happened, then the loyal one families right. would never have been chosen. Right. Ha- and ha- then Sammy wouldn't yeah, exist. Yeah, Hawkeye shouldn't exist either because it's all from the mating of the old protectors and the loyal ones. So like none of those people would have Right. Met. Right. So Sami definitely wouldn't exist. Hakan probably wouldn't exist. Or Sami could exist, but he wouldn't be a yeah. loyal one. So yeah, that was confusing. Again, my my eternal question whereas Harun like now we see him in some like stuck in some dream world thing like where is he I guess he's been stuck so in the back of Hakan's mind this whole time which is just the rock because he Not seems to know what's going on <laughs> yeah oh yes talk about the old lady Sammy okay that was so stupid <laughs> <laughs> like she's just First of all, the actress and the way she's acting is, like, so bizarre. I don't get that, like, why she's, like, a weird, like, scared hunchback lady. And then the fact that she's Harun's mother, I guess, okay, but, like, weird. And then I have a theory, um, which is, I think, maybe Faisal's Harun's daddy. This is my theory. Because... The mom was like super weird about like the immortals had something to do with your father. And then he has the weird blood situation. So that's my new theory. That's a really interesting theory. I was just like annoyed that every question that they asked her was like, oh yeah, just because. Like he, my dad's a healer. So <laughs> yeah, there's devils walking among us, the darkness. The just suddenly like a very important uh, figure and aspect in the mythology that we've never heard of <laughs> until the last episode. <laughs> also, she doesn't look like she doesn't look like she was too young. Like, I'm very confused as to why she couldn't care for him because she looks like she definitely could care for him. I don't know. This is confusing. Yeah, that it, that's the explanation that led me to my theory because she said something like the immortals were the reason that she couldn't raise him and they did something to his dad or something. I don't know. It was very confusing. Maybe I wasn't paying enough attention. Yeah. If I saw literally fathered a child with a human, then like, why is anybody mad at Vizij? Like, what the fuck? That's my Because <laughs> she's a woman. Right, okay. Mm, that was and good. My theory is that he's the child of a sultan. Oh. I just don't get why they chose such a weird <laughs> person to play his mother. I mean, they ran out of budget getting all the old um, immortals back for the episode. So they only had a little bit left for the old lady cast members. So they just found a random lady. <laughs> Some random old lady. <laughs> they were like, but she looks confused all the time. Just go with it. It's fine. <laughs> That's all we can afford. <laughs> Also, why is she like, um, she, I don't know, she just seems like too old to be his mother, just in the context of like that time period. Um, and yeah, like, why wouldn't she reveal herself to him? Like, he's not going to do anything to her. Like, the immortals might, but like, he's not gonna. I don't know. I don't understand that. I mean, maybe, do you think we're getting more explanation next episode, Sophia, or do you think that was her and she's done? <laughs> No, I think 
I think most of the explanations will be done. Actually, by the end of the episode, I was wondering what's going to happen next episode because they've left, they almost left nothing. Like, I guess it's the Faisal thing. Yeah, Faisal. Which will go on next episode. Yeah. But it seemed like maybe I'm like, obviously, in hindsight, assuming that this is what they were trying to do. But it did seem from that scene that Faisal was somehow going to get out because, like, they were focusing, like, they were focusing so much on that door after they had already left. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Stupid. Yeah, and also like he's so crafty. Like if I don't see like his shriveled corpse, then I'm not, I'm not believing that he's dead. Also. And true. then there was like this sketchy scene with Vizier when she, first of all when she like drank the potion that was like kind of weirdly casual, and then when he left her with the key. She's like, oh, yeah, I'll destroy it. I was he like, should have given hmm, it to Azim. That seems a little sketchy. Why didn't he just give it to Azim? Yeah. <laughs> he should have destroyed it himself. Also, that stupid scene with Azim being like, what's the best thing about the future? That was just stupid. Like, why <laughs> that was have cute. That? <laughs> <laughs> I liked that. <laughs> also, our, our, like, why is he leaving town? What difference is it going to make if he leaves town or stays? Oh, because he's a fugitive. I forgot. Azim? No, no. Um, Aharu. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, I feel like in those times it was easier to just escape and disappear off the face of the earth. Do we think when Harun comes back, like, is he going to remember the original timeline and also the new timeline and, like, be cognizant of that? Or, or is he gonna just like wake up as if he was asleep the whole time? I think he would just wake up as if he was asleep. Oh, I disagree. I think he knows what's going on. Yeah, exactly. On that, that conversation, conversation was confusing. Hakan. But that like... conversation was just what what Hakan wanted Harun to say to him, wasn't it? <laughs> you think he was hallucinating Harun? Yeah. Just to say nice things. And give it's him like compliments. again, this, these people recently read Harry Potter because it's like when. Harry like dies and goes to see Dumbledore in that like dream thing. Yeah. To me, it's the same thing. Yeah. It is the same thing. It's true. That and the arm. Oh god. That arm is creepy. The arm is gross, but like no advancement on the arm in this episode. So I guess the curse is not that quick. I mean, took over his whole arm like right away, and then just no, because that there's a whole scene where he's like looking at his arm and then like the funniest scene of the whole episode is when Faisal's running after the car and he has his hand in his pocket obviously because like he can't like it's supposed to be dead so the actor I guess can't just have it loose because then it would move so he looks so (laughs) awkward with his hand in his pocket (laughs) (laughs) um speaking of the car why couldn't we just drive out of Istanbul why did we have to get a boat that was then firebombed from the sky I mean, they were saying all exits out of the city were closed, so I guess they couldn't have driven. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of exits. I mean, yeah, there's also a lot of sky to cover, and they still managed to blow the boat. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, like, they have fighter jets, basically. Like, shoot at whatever. Like, make that possible. Like, for a while, they were the ones being quarantined, like, basically in the shopping, in that weird shopping center. And now they have control over the entire city and its airspace. Okay. 
Hashtag the darkness. I don't know. <laughs> the darkness. The darkness was flying that jet. <laughs> Would be the most valid explanation we could come up with, probably, honestly. Honestly. <laughs> yeah. Okan continued to be sexy and have a noble death in this episode, so that was nice. Wish he had had more time to develop as a character. Was Okay, so does, has Zaynep, like, not had free agency this whole time? Like, what is going on with, like, the other chick coming out of her, like... (laughs) (laughs) That was so dumb. I'm so confused. Like, uh, like, Zaynep has been bad this whole time. She hasn't been pretending. I don't accept that. She doesn't seem to have been fighting her inner demons at all. Like, we've seen no signs of that at all. And then all of a sudden, she's like get away from him i'll save him yeah i don't i, think I don't that... then like how did the other oracles like descend from one another then if the assumption from the prior episode was that killing one meant that the person who killed them or whoever was selected to i guess receive the upload of the powers from the prior one for whatever reason like does that mean that none of them they're all just vessels or it just makes no sense i think it's i think there's like several things that play there like one being that the oracles were normally not killed Mm. in the past because i guess the immortals didn't know they existed Mm. and b because the previous loyal ones were actually useful or slash there were no immortals for a long time um and then she's an immortal saint so she had i what I imagine is that she has like the her immortal self fighting against this like good energy, and somehow that good energy was able to like take charge now. But this is just me reading into. Yeah, like that's the thing. Like I I agree that I would totally buy that if they had shown any of that, but they didn't yeah. show yeah. anything. Like she was totally evil last episode, and then the switch. Well, and then now she's able to heal people. Yeah, that too was like... That was plot. Like, oh, we just have plot holes and help. The Oracle can heal our plot hole. (laughs) 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 Yes, indeed. Um, I really liked when they were laughing at Savi for getting out with the baseball bat. That was funny. He's such a dumbass. I don't know why he was the last one to survive. He didn't deserve more screen time. He was really stupid. He quite simply takes up more of the screen, so he deserved more screen. He's a very large, <laughs> large tall man. <laughs> but I, I think that was very like, oh, let's make Hawk on the underdog, so let's have the least useful immortal survive. Wasn't his literal Maybe. skill set that he was just a big human? <laughs> That's correct. That was his marketable skill. <laughs> Wall of muscle. <laughs> Except he was very bad at that too. Yeah, he was he never proved himself to be useful physically. Remember his 20 minutes of being in love with one of the other after they had like two seasons of screen time together. <laughs> he didn't seem real broken up about her in this episode, I have to say. Because they were gonna die though. How, what do we what do we think about the the horn, the immortal horn? Like, what I still am not like over how stupid that is. You know, even for us, 
several episodes <laughs> ago when it was first introduced. It's just like, what? <laughs> it's so weird. Like, I don't know. Like, maybe they got a new yeah. showrunner who's obsessed yeah. with steampunk because, like, on Netflix, the banners for the show and everything are them in those stupid ass goggles yeah. from the party. So, like, I I don't get it, but there's some fascination they have with that look and that stupid, stupid, <laughs> stupid horn thing. It's the sound it makes too. Like, did they bring that horn with them from the darkness? The darkness needs to be upgraded severely. If that's what, if that's the best they can do. <laughs> also, conveniently, the darkness still swallows up plot holes because apparently Faisal will be able to heal himself if he goes into the darkness. Which is also just like convenient. Right. Does right. going into the darkness right. mean like taking the key and having the portal and whatnot and going back to his dimension? Or what does that even mean? Yeah. Okay. I think so. Also, what happens if they reach the darkness and they don't have all the all the immortals? Like it's pissed. <laughs> <laughs> Do they get reanimated? They get zombified. Zombified. What if he brings back all the immortals he turned? <laughs> and there's like so many more. It's like the entire city's work. <laughs> oh, okay, God. again though, the horn existing means that they wanted to be able to call several like disparate immortals, probably more than the seven together. Because I didn't see like Vizier mm. uh, using the horn to arrange their meeting uh, in the past. So like right. clearly there was an intention to have an army why not before 2019? <laughs> Ooh, what if the horn is there because they sent a group of seven immortals to like every major city oh. on earth and then they were supposed to come together? Yeah, that's not in the Indian explanation <laughs> I read. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think I think the horn was made when they did the vaccine because remember, oh, you think they had these people carrying that giant box. Okay, I thought that was something they were hiding away for like ah. centuries as well, conveniently, that we didn't know mm. about. But I mean, not a good point. But that could make sense too that they just yeah. built. That would be that would make more sense than them having <laughs> not thinking about yeah. not the army that whole time. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Before I learned that Faisal had not died, I was kind of mad at. Um, Ruya and Hakan for murdering them all. Like, I thought that they were just gonna turn them mortal and then they could have a nice life and like do whatever they wanted to do. But like, like, um, Husrev and uh, what's her name should have been Javadan. Yeah. Yeah. Javadan should have been allowed to have a life together. No? I think they wouldn't have stayed not evil they would have just hunted down Harun and Vezir and killed them because mm. basically they went against their mission probably couldn't they have, and also if this darkness is like an all powerful plot hole healer I feel like they could have taken <laughs> the key and gone back maybe or tried to go back and gotten like yeah. oh something. yeah that's true. I, I truly have no memory of how um, Faisal got out of that burning building, though. So, <laughs> very interested to see what a uh, plot hole grout they use there. <laughs> <laughs> 
so do we think that Vezier was lying, or sorry, uh, Valeria was lying this whole time, and she did something bad, or was it just Faisal on his own? Because I thought she was mm-hmm. really sketchy in her last scene. I think it was. Yeah, she was. I thought she was going to refuse to drink the beverage thing. I think it's just Faisal. I think I think yeah. that he's now the big bad. And Vizzy just arc is over. I feel like she's not going to come up again in the last episode. Oh. Maybe the show is like a, so a happy just- epilogue of Harun and Vizzy and like 200 children. <laughs> well, this are still being bad in the past oh, would make sense and- in terms of like Hakan as a person existing in 2019. Like I feel like not just Faisal would be the impetus for creating the protector, but like maybe two of them would be, you know, like I feel like still for Hakan to exist in the present day, the loyal ones, families and Harun's descendants still have to have mated. Like, I just don't see how um, Harun not being, becoming the first protector and not having the enchanted objects and the loyal ones, et cetera. I don't understand how that outcome and Hakan's existence in 2019 can be reconciled, but this is this is the protector, so who knows? <laughs> well, and also, like, yeah, there's no way that he gets the objects. There's no way there's loyal ones, so... Right, well, Harun, yeah, Shirin could have, like, the next child possibly but i'm saying like further down the line like every protector got together with a loyal one subsequently and those families like would not have interacted with that family that much (laughs) throughout history if not for their duty so Today, for our history section, we're going to be talking about the Byzantine Empire, which lasted from 330 CE to 1453 CE. And we're going to give a quick overview, maybe talk about Justinian, who was mentioned in the description of where the immortals came from. And then I'm going to hand it over to Sophia to talk about some interesting women in Byzantium history. So, Constantinople was founded in 330 by, you guessed it, Constantine I, who was a Roman emperor. Um, He founded it because Rome was becoming kind of a problem given the borders of the empire. It was very non-central being in Italy, uh, whereas Constantinople, now Istanbul, was much more central to the expanse of the empire. There was also a lot of problems with attacking barbarians and corruption and and all sorts of stuff. So he founded Constantinople and he also made Christianity a permitted religion, which I won't get into. I don't want to spark any haters, but I just have to say that I think Christianity was pretty much the cause of the fall of the Roman Empire. And it was a big problem. And he only did it because his mother made him, which is always a bad decision-making tool. (laughs) 
So in 391 Common Era, Theodosius made Christianity the state religion, which meant that Christians were um, promoted above other religions. Other religions had to pay more taxes or had to worship in secret, all sorts of bad stuff, which was really a problem in the Roman Empire, which was built on just adding more gods into the pantheon as they conquered new locales with new deities. So this really was a huge issue for the expansion of the Roman Empire. So Byzantium, Byzantine Empire, they didn't actually call themselves that. They called themselves Romans. But by the 6th century, the culture was so different from Western Rome that scholars today and historians today refer to it as the Byzantine Empire. Um, For example, they spoke Greek instead of Latin. That's a big one. The Byzantine Empire always had a lot of problems with invading tribes. They were never a huge conquering power. They kind of just inherited the territory that they had. At one point, they expanded quite a bit, I think under Justinian I, actually, but they were mostly concerned with defending their territory. And so to that end, a fun tidbit I ran over was that Theodosius II gave Attila the Hun a shit ton of gold, like an unbelievable amount of gold, just to stay away (laughs) from the Byzantine Empire. He was like, please go away. I'll give you all of our gold. And they used that tactic a lot with the surrounding regions and neighbors. There was a lot of internecine Christian issues, like, you know, drama within Christianity. I don't know, Catholicism, Orthodoxy, who knows? But basically, the Pope hated them by the end and didn't provide them any support by the time that the Ottomans were conquering Constantinople. I don't know if, Esgi, you want to talk about Justinian I? Another, I would say, at least in terms of like Istanbul or Constantinople uh, landmarks, most important emperor is other than Constantine himself is uh, Justinian the first. So uh, he reigned in the 500s and oversaw the, the start. I, well, maybe the completion. I don't know how long it took them to build a uh, Hagia Sophia, probably a while, uh, but in 537, a while. 537 <laughs> is, the, is the year, like the starting point of uh, Hagia Sophia's existence, at least in the history books. So Justinian I was the emperor, so I guess he oversaw its completion. Um, and also the, the Hippodrome, which is right, you know, in the same kind of Sultan Ahmed historical district um, as well. So that whole, that whole area is, is Justinian's footprint. Um, and the Hippodrome became his downfall, though. Yes, yes, exactly. So that's, a, that's an excellent segue. I was going to just mention Justinian's um, some some of the good things he did, and then also yeah, the the not so good stuff that ties actually into our our beloved uh, show that we <laughs> just admire all of its historical details and consistency so much. Um, so okay, the good stuff about Justinian, um, he he was ambitious. He he really tried to um, restore the empire, renovatio. Imperi is uh, was what he called his vision. Um, it wasn't really accomplished, but he tried, and that was good. Uh, <laughs> it was the 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 Hagia Sophia is obviously a, a huge a huge feat to to complete um, a cathedral of that size, and for it to still be standing after more than a thousand years. He's, he's featured in many mosaics and and works of art around the 
I guess the former, the expanse of the former Roman Empire. Um, not that I'm looking at his Wikipedia page right now, but he's got a nice mosaic portrait even in Ravenna uh, in Italy. <laughs> the man is worldwide, the OG Mr. Worldwide, succeeded by Pitbull. Um, that's a historical fact. <laughs> oh my God, I'm going to have to cut that. <laughs> you can never not mention Pitbull. I don't know why we haven't mentioned him more. Now, yeah, he was, I mean, he... He, he, he was a hard worker and he, he introduced all sorts of legislation and the legal code, um, but he wasn't very popular, especially, well, actually, no, the Nicaraites weren't uh, at the end of his reign. It, people were already kind of pissed with all of his legislating and his taxation um, early on in, the, in 532. And this was actually before, yeah, the Hagia Sophia opened fully. So the Nicaraites tie into our like I said, are historically detailed and consistent show the protector insofar as apparently the darkness was called upon by Justinian to help him put down the Nika rioters. So the Nika rioters were initially just chariot race hooligans, so fanatics on either side of, I guess, like there were like red there's like a red team and a blue or a league and a blue league or something yeah there's four there's four colors for the teams oh there you go um yeah so 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 the big four as i'm sure they called them that <laughs> <laughs> exactly chariot racing in constantinople um, it was march madness yes and <laughs> uh yeah sixth century edition so it started off with just like general unrest post-chariot race um, that really escalated into civil unrest from uh, dissatisfaction toward Justinian's policies, including taxation. I mean, most prominently taxation. And yeah, according to the reality of the protector's universe, Justinian called upon the darkness to come up with a way to put down these rioters. And that's apparently why the immortals came into our universe and started to wreak havoc on on the city you know pestilence and natural disasters and all that stuff I don't think the historical record uh shows that a bunch of natural disasters and plagues caused the Nicarites to end um but apparently, <laughs> apparently that's what happened in the protectors universe I have a yeah. fun fact oh yeah please um, I think I'm done I'm sure <laughs> that Lin-Manuel Miranda, famous playwright, is listening to this podcast right now. And if you are, Lin, I want you to think about this ballad of Justin I, who was Justinian I's father, who was a illiterate foot soldier from the Balkans who became emperor. Wow. Much like Mr. Alexander Hamilton. Similar story. Could be great. Think about it. Thanks, Lin. We love you, Lin. Thanks for your support. <laughs> but that really ties into to what I was gonna share in my in my section so thank you for the segue Sammy so as Sammy mentioned I'm going to talk a little bit about women in Byzantium and I think this is a cool topic it's kind of random I guess but I did take a class about it in college so I'm speaking <laughs> from some knowledge at least but I wanted to focus on something that I found really interesting um, as I was reviewing my notes from college. And for one of the parts, we kind of compared how the life of women in the West, like in Western Europe was compared to life in Byzantium. And like, even though Byzantium was an extremely religious place, like it was as religious as Western Europe, that religion and like that 
devotion and the, the kind of the saints that they worshiped, the female saints that they worshiped, uh, shared a story about redemption and kind of, um, you know, that if you work kind of hard enough and are pious enough, you can transcend like the situation that you're born in. So like, for example, there were emper empresses in the Byzantine empire that were actually prostitutes, former prostitutes. Ooh. And I can't remember the name of, of one right now, but she was married to a pretty influential emperor and she like was even given some agency in her own right. But like, for example, because she was a prostitute she has she had had like some like abortions in her life and that caused her to not be able to have children later on so um that's kind of interesting because like the monarchy is like so based on on dynasties and um having like heirs and stuff and and it's interesting that someone like that didn't fulfill that that kind of requirement about being a royal about having children was able to you know has still have a position of power and, and everything um so it, in the byzantine empire as sammy mentioned like the story of of justinian's father it was not uncommon for people that were foot soldiers or that you know did not come from royalty to eventually ascend to the throne and i think well, like, this is my analysis, but like, it was very tied to that religious idea of redemption about like, if you're pious enough, and you like, worship God enough, you can have some social mobility in a time where social mobility was extremely limited. And Western Europe was like, so structured in terms of like, social classes and social mobility and like, who the nobles were and who the landowning people were and like, the kind of rights and possibilities that that gave to that group of people. Um, in, in Byzantium, it was possible um, for people and especially for women to kind of have some economic power and some economic uh, mobility. And one of the big things here is that women in Byzantium were actually allowed to receive an inheritance, mm. which is very significant. It's something that could not be done in Western Europe. And they also could control their own dowries after their husband died and inherit property from their parents. So this was not possible in Europe, like in Western Europe or continental Europe, I don't know what to call it. Um, and this actually allowed for them to be, for there to be like very powerful women in Byzantium, which was not necessarily the case in Europe. Like you hear about a few women like Catherine of Medici and like a few like Queen Elizabeth II and stuff like that, but it's not common for, for that to happen in, in continental Europe. So that's really interesting. Um, and also like in Byzantium, there was a, a big cult to the Virgin Mary, and that's also kind of tied to the possibility of, of female power and, um, you know, being able to, to have these strong female figures. And this cult actually like started way, way later in the West. So like in the 12th century was when it started in the West, but in Byzantium, it, it had already been going for a while. And there was also a big thing about, like, this is kind of contradictory, but chastity was, like, extremely important. And, like, it, it's one of the themes in a lot of, like, the religious histories at the time. Like, what we studied a lot in this class that I took was the saints, like, the stories of the saints um, that were told at that time. And there was a big, like, emphasis on these saints that were virgins or, like, were completely, like, chased during their lives and how that was extremely important so like there was kind of this contradiction of of this image of women as like like 
as I mentioned, like they're able to be redeemed and there's like the two extremes. There's like the woman that had a life that wasn't like what would be condoned, like kind of in a religious sense. As I mentioned, like this one empress who was actually a prostitute and an actress and couldn't have children, which again, like goes against a lot of, of what was you know expected at the time. But again, like it was really important to have um, this sort of chastity but then like we also see other like interesting figures like female figures i don't know if you guys that was this was like kind of my introduction to byzantine in general which was a book called anna of byzantium that i read like i don't know i think it was like eighth grade maybe um and it's about the daughter of one of these uh, byzantine emperors alexios the first and she was actually like a pretty big intellectual she was she wrote uh, a book about her father's life and her father's rule and she like actually had a lot of political agency so like there's these female characters that are really strong there were um also a set of two sisters that were empresses for like an an important period of time like on and off like one of them's husbands had to like be the regent like there were the two sisters but the one of the sisters' husbands were also like the the pillar of of like that justified them being able to rule. I'm forgetting the names right now. One of them's names was Zoe, and the other one I can't remember right now. Um, oh, here it is, Theodora. Theodora is actually a really common name for Byzantine empresses, so you would find a lot of them. But uh, what's interesting is that they were actually like female rulers and. They ruled for for interesting amounts of time and the queen in or the empress in in the empire didn't only have kind of the role of the consort there's like stories of empresses who actually like had agency and made decisions which is the case of of these two sisters and i mean it's it's interesting because even like as i mentioned this anna of byzantium she was also the reason why she was so knowledgeable and and was able to get such a good education was that um, she was expected to be a ruler and she was trained to be the empress from birth. But then uh, her parents had a son. So obviously she was um, just like taken away from that role. But I think it's it's just an interesting exploration about how there are like a lot of interesting female leaders and female figures in the Byzantine Empire. And it's not something that we we learn a lot about. So just wanted to make this little aside. Yeah, I love that. That was super interesting. Who knew? That could be a great TV show. When we become, uh, when we have our production company, I think that's something we should look into. I like that. I would love that. going to move on into our favorite section which is what the fuck what are your guys's what the fucks I'll, I'll repeat what i had last time what the fuck myself because i just like this this uh, byzantine thing totally went over my head twice uh <laughs> so that's cool um but congrats to sophia for uh like a 99 percent correct theory definitely more well, from the very beginning more well yeah exactly i don't think the showrunners had this explanation from at the point where Sophia devised it. I don't think they thought about it that much in seasons 
you know, one or two or whatever. So kudos. I also just what the fuck them for literally sneaking it in this episode with just like a couple sentences that like yeah. could have meant anything. Like they could have meant that Justinian, like they liked him, they didn't like him. He brought them in to fight off like the Ottomans or other people um, versus an internal riot. Like none of this, you know, is made clear at all still the darkness is suddenly a very prominent figure in the mythology we'd never heard of them <laughs> um so yeah is it a is it a is the darkness a, a person or a, a realm or yes. a god or what <laughs> no i mean we have no idea i don't think we will have any idea <laughs> okay it's also like a condition like his arm is the darkness <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, and then my other what the fuck is around just like how people how these people in 2019 these characters still have uh, um, any memory or like an unaffected memory of the events that got them in the in the original timeline to where they are like if if the time travel has affected things to the extent of like material objects disappearing like the shirt losing its power and then ceasing to exist altogether like there should be some fading of people's memories too i would think um but again similar to nissan or or visit in the last episode knowing that she knew (laughs) but not knowing what she used to know anymore right it seemed like that was continuing with like zainab and Faisal believing that Hakan was still untouchable because he was wearing the shirt to realizing, oh, that he doesn't have the shirt anymore. The shirt isn't working. But like, shouldn't y'all be kind of forgetting the shirt ever existed if the shirt is fading away too? Um, and also yeah. like Hakan shouldn't exist because of what has already yeah. been discussed. Um, but anyway, what the fuck? We move on. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. So I have, um, what the fuck? Why is Hakan's bed so small yes. in his apartment? Also, he ain't reading those books. Why does he have so many books? He's- yeah, I mean, I think we talked about that in the first episode. <laughs> but like, like his room, his bedroom is actually pretty large. It's like a very decent sized bedroom, but his bed is like, like he probably hangs off of it. <laughs> it's tiny. Then I have, oh yeah, what the fuck? Hakan, you're the best protector we've ever had. I like Sophia's explanation that it's just like a wishful thinking hallucination on his part because no one would ever say that to him. So I guess that makes more sense and maybe takes it off the what the fuck list. What the fuck caught fire in that dungeon they were in? Like it was all stoned. I'm not really sure how a roaring fire could have happened. And then, oh yeah, what the fuck cheers? Because like, the whole point of cheersing in the Middle Ages was to slop your drink into somebody else's drink so that if you were poisoned, they would be poisoned too. That's a fun fact. But they just cheers in the air, even though they think they're going to be poisoned. They didn't know that. I mean, no, they didn't know. The, the, sh- the showrunners didn't know that. That's your explanation. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I got. I think for me, my what the fucks are. I agree with Tammy. Valeria is acting sketchy, so that's a what the fuck for me. Yeah, yeah. I hope we get an answer to that in the next episode. And it's not just left hanging. Yeah. Another what the fuck is, like, how they just blew up that boat. Like, <laughs> shot it down. That was amazing. 
just the oracle popping out of Zainab to convince Okan to let himself be killed. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Mm, yeah, also, what the fuck, Okan, like, he's walking in to get that horn, but Zainab and Hakan are in the same house and they don't, like, hear him. Yeah, like, also, what the fuck, I guess it, it like, that's why they didn't make Valerian mortal, mortal at that, at that point, but, like, why didn't the other mortals just try to kill her? Like, when she was, like, comforting Hakan, like, dead Hakan. Well, I think they were scared of the curse. Yeah. Right? Of, the, of which curse? Oh! The Dumbledore hand. Oh. <laughs> also, how did they discover that? Because at that point, nobody has tried well, to kill her. I think the dark how they know. That's, that's what will happen. <laughs> 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 Also, I'm still very confused as to what Piraye, curly-haired guy, and Medgen were doing this whole time. He also looks way less creepy with hair. He looks so cute with that scruff. It really, like, takes away from his evil guyness. I think they were all... Sammy falling in love with They were all, like, in far-flung corners of Byzantium? Or they were, like... Or, I guess, Constantinople or Istanbul. They were, like, not close right that was the whole i feel like they tried to give some explanation for why it was like weird for them to all be together yeah i think they were like off infiltrating yeah maybe like deep undercover yeah could i was anxiously awaiting the invention of red lipstick <laughs> wait did she have it no, she didn't have it oh no, no. poor girl <laughs> she doesn't look like herself they definitely had lipstick yeah i feel like the egyptians had so much yeah the egyptians had makeup yeah. They just killed bugs and smeared their blood yeah. all over the lips. <laughs> like what the guy would do for fun anyway. Like, yeah, that's true. That is also true. <laughs> what the fuck saw me for existing <laughs> starring in this episode? Yeah, and what the fuck probably saw running with the Dumbledore hand. That was funny. I feel bad for laughing, but it was funny. <laughs> He's really hamming it up this episode, this season. It's very entertaining. Yeah, it was entertaining to see them all back then. But I'm also, like, I feel like like what we've learned about Javidan, Pirai, like, I feel like they would be much more forceful. Or were they just forceful because they knew Vizier wasn't around? Or, I don't know. Like, they were, like, so strong and, like, empowered. And, like, now all of a sudden they're just, like, wallflowers. Yeah, that's weird. I agree. I guess it took them a thousand years. Especially Javidan, like, she hasn't shown any of her normal personality this season, but... Maybe they just forgot what her personality was supposed to be. <laughs> it's been a while. I think, yeah, I think those are my what the fucks. I might remember some later, but that's the brunt of it. Okay. All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Next episode, we're going to be talking about the finale, the series finale, which is just crazy. I'm sure it's going to be about 17 hours long to explain all of the lessons <laughs> that we still have going on. I'm so excited for it. I guess we dedicate this episode to all of the immortals who perished. I'm not going to list their names because we don't know who perished and who didn't. Maybe Rhea's still alive too. I don't know. And thank you all so much for listening. We'll talk to you guys next time. Mm